Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Our reading is from Psalm 126, a song of ascent. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Good morning, everyone. If we haven't met before, my name is Pete Scammon. I'm the associate vicar here at Christchurch Forward. As we look together at this wonderful psalm, let me lead us in prayer. Our Father in heaven, wherever we are now, scattered around in our homes, We pray for a deep work of your spirit. Take the truth of your word and plant it deep in our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. At the end of 2020, Time magazine ran an article looking back at some of the most influential quotes of last year and front and center was a quote from one of the heroes of the pandemic, Captain Sir Tom Moore. And he said this, For all those people finding it difficult, the sun will shine on you again and the clouds will go away. It's what we're longing for, isn't it? This pandemic to ease, the restrictions to go away, for life to get back to normal. Few people have done more than Captain Sir Tom Moore to lift the mood of the nation during this pandemic. And yet, as inspiring as Captain Sir Tom has been, even he cannot guarantee our future. And so the question I want us to grapple with this morning is this, how do we cope when our future feels bleak. Perhaps we find hope by clinging on to the positivity of others, like Captain Sir Tom Moore. Perhaps we look back and our life has turned out well so far, and so we assume it'll be fine in the future. Perhaps we cope by trying to take back control. We start to plan even more scan our diaries even more, building in contingency plans to make the future happen. Perhaps we try to ignore the future. We bury our head in the sand. It's just too difficult to look forward. Perhaps we pin our hopes on other people. A politician, a a health expert, the views of others to give us reassurance everything will be okay in the future. Or perhaps 
we're just in despair about what we can see coming at us in the future. This pandemic has certainly reminded us that in this broken world, often our future will feel bleak. How do we cope? In this little series on lament, the Psalms have been showing us how to bring the pain of living in a broken world to our loving Heavenly Father in prayer. And the pain this week is the pain of living with a bleak future. Psalm 126 was written at a time of destitution, a time when joy was only a distant memory and tears was only the present experience of the psalmist. And so how does the psalmist cope when their future feels bleak? Well, two points for us this morning. First, remember the Lord restores. Look at verse one. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. I think of that moment at the end of World War II when finally the guns fell silent. After six years of awful conflict, at last, peace. Perhaps you've seen the footage of people out on the streets hugging one another, dancing, celebrating, sobbing, giving way to singing. Well, that's something of the scene here. Something awful had happened to the people of God. We can't be certain what it is, but very possibly the exile. What a terrible time. Homes destroyed, loved ones killed, 70 years of captivity in a foreign nation. But at last, restoration. The Lord had brought his people home back to their promised lands. And it was almost too good to be true. Like being in a dream, the people were pinching themselves to make sure that they were awake, that it was actually happening to them. A brilliant story of restoration. But don't miss who caused it. Verse one again, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. It was not luck or fate or karma. No, the Lord brought about this restoration. In fact, it was so miraculous, so unexplainable by any other means that even people watching on who did not know the Lord or feared him, well, they worked out who had caused it. Verse 2, then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And in just in case we've missed the point, verse 3, the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Remember the Lord restores. We see this again and again in the Bible. Think of barren Sarah giving birth to Isaac in her 90s. The prisoner Joseph becoming prime minister of Egypt. A, a homeless nation wandering in the desert given a land flowing with milk and honey. Think of bereaved and bitter Naomi given a new family through Ruth and Boaz. Again and again in the scriptures, we see that the Lord restores his people. In this little series on lament, 
we've been seeing that one of the key things about learning to lament is to remember who the Lord is. Two weeks ago, we remembered that the Lord's love is unfailing. Last week, we remembered that the Lord forgives. This week, the great truth about the Lord that changes the day, the truth is that the Lord restores. He restores his people. I wonder if this is our view of the Lord. Just as water can erode even the the hardest rock given enough time, so our confidence in the Lord and his restoration can be eroded even amongst the the, the faith of of the strongest Christians with time living with a bleak future. Perhaps some of us are finding it harder to trust in the Lord now than we were 10 months ago because of this grueling pandemic we're living through. Perhaps the Lord has begun to feel like some cosmic watchmaker who has made the world, he's, he's wound it up, and then he's walked away from it, unknowing, uncaring about how history progresses. Or perhaps we think of the Lord as a small God, loving, yes, knowing, yes, but unable to help with the problems that we are facing in our lives today. Or perhaps we think of the Lord as a cruel God, involved, powerful, but unmoved by the anguish of his people. And when our confidence in the Lord begins to crumble, it's no wonder that we begin to look elsewhere for our peace for the future, turning to short-term pleasures and comforts, uh, turning to other people, hiding the pain, trying to cope. And so what the psalmist does is so very helpful. They stop and they take a moment to remember that the Lord restores. This return from exile here in Psalm 126, it didn't just happen. The Lord moved in the heart of a pagan king to let the people go. The Lord moved in the heart of the people to want to go. The Lord provided resources, materials, money to go. He provided a safe passage on the way home and ongoing protection from opposition as they rebuilt Jerusalem. The Lord is concerned for his people. He does know He does care. He does act with great power and wisdom. Remember, the Lord restores. And with that foundation in place, the psalmist moves on. Our second point is this. Trust the Lord with your tears. In verses 1 to 3, the psalmist has been speaking about the Lord. Here in verse 4, he begins to speak to the Lord in prayer. And only now do we realize the true agony of the psalmist. Verse four. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. The Negev, a dry and dusty desert, a brutal place, living here in Sheffield's During the window, it's hard to imagine the scorching sun beating down on us, our tongues sticking to the roof of our mouths, the dust kicking up into our throats. 
To pray for a stream in the desert was to pray for nothing less than a miracle. And having prayed, the psalmist settles into a place of trust before the Lord. Verse 5. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Imagine looking out across a field covered in mud, and as you look, you see a, a figure stooped down in the mud in the fields, and as you walk closer, you begin to realize that they are planting seeds in the soil. And as you get closer, you realize that their shoulders are moving, not just because of the action of planting seeds, but also their shoulders are heaving with sobs of pain. You see their cheeks streaked with tears. As they kneel forward, every seed planted and watered with the tears from their eyes, weeping in agony over the destitution of the moment they are living in. That is the present experience of the psalmist. But then imagine months later, the same field, this time a sea of gold. The harvest has arrived. It's a bountiful harvest. There's food for everyone. You bring the harvest home, full tummies, restored, secured, joyed, restoration. That is the longing, the confidence the psalmist has of the future. No specifics given, no dates or times. We aren't told how long the gap will be between the sowing and the reaping, the, the sobbing and the singing. But see what the psalmist is doing. Having looked back at the past and seen that the Lord does restore his people, they are looking forward to their bleak future, trusting the Lord with their tears trusting that somehow at the right time he will turn their sobbing into singing. We don't know when this pandemic will ease or when we will be able to hug loved ones again, when schools will reopen or what will happen with our exams. We don't know about our jobs or our health or the economy. There are many reasons to weep today. And Psalm 126 is showing us that it is okay for God's people to weep before the Lord because of our pain. But also, we can trust the Lord with our tears. And this side of the cross, we have even more reason to trust the Lord with our tears. After half term, we'll be looking at the final hours of Jesus before his death on the cross from John's account in John's gospel. And Jesus tells his disciples that now is the time of mourning and grief. Indeed, his, troubles, his disciples are distressed at the news that he is about to leave them. But he says in John 16 to his troubled disciples, your grief will turn to joy. And he was right. The death of Jesus was followed by his resurrection. Grief followed by joy. And if the Lord can restore a dead person to resurrection life, then he can restore any situation, turning sobbing into singing. 
The Bible often doesn't give us specific promises about specific struggles we might face today. As we pray with the psalmist, Lord, restore our fortunes, he might answer the prayer straight away. He might restore our health or our jobs or whatever. He can do that. He often does. Or it might not be until that vision that John saw in Revelation 21 comes to pass when the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven and then the Lord wipes away every tear from our eye. But whenever the Lord does it, he will restore his people. We can trust him with our tears. This will mean with the psalmist in verse 3, crying out to the Lord, not just worrying about our future, but actually praying to the Lord about our future. Notice the confidence of the psalmist is not based on knowing the specifics, but rather knowing the Lord. And we can cry out to him, making him the grounds of our hope. But more than that, I think this psalm helps us to be prepared for times of tears. Rachel Jones, in her excellent book, Is This It?, describes the profound sense of disappointment many people feel in life. The world tells us that we can be anyone, do anything, experience anything in this life. And so we launch out into this world expecting all kinds of experiences as if the world promises us unicorns. But then as Rachel Joan points out, life doesn't go that way. Perhaps we fail our exams or we lose our job or our children get bullied at school. Our lives lack color and fun and the promised unicorns don't appear. And when that happens, it can feel like the train of our lives has been derailed. Our one chance for happiness has been lost to us. But here in Psalm 126, as is so often the case in the Bible, the pattern is tears first, then joy. There are loving reasons for this beyond what we can explore this morning. But so often God's plans for his people is to take us through the tears, not around them. And so when the tears come, the, the, the train of our lives has not been derailed. Our chance at happiness has not been lost. Part of what it means to learn to lament is to learn how to keep talking to God about our pain, trusting our tears to him, Remembering he is our restorer, knowing one day our sobbing will be replaced by singing. We should be prepared for tears. And finally, we can trust the Lord to build his church. Did you notice back in verse 1, it is Zion that is restored. That's Jerusalem, not a person, but a people. And in the New Testament, Jesus likened the preaching of God's word to a farmer scattering seed. Yes, many discouragements, but at the right time, in the right soil, a wonderful harvest. The Apostle Paul described his activities of preaching the gospel and planting churches as a ministry of sowing seeds. And so this pattern of, of sowing in, 
and tears and reaping in joy is a pattern we can ex- apply to our experience of how God grows his church today. And as we think about the church in this country, isn't it a time of tears? Even before the pandemic, a time of declining numbers, a time of hard hearts and a rejection of the gospel. Of course, this pandemic has brought even more tears, unable to gather together as God's people, unable to enjoy fellowship and encouragement with one another. And for us locally here at Fullwood Church, we are facing some challenges from within our church family as well. I don't mind saying that this has been a time for me personally of many tears. I'm sure I'm not alone. But the Lord is a restorer. We don't know how or when. So often the Lord doesn't give us the specifics, but we can be confident that one day the sobbing will be turned to singing. And so for now, we keep sowing. We keep preaching the gospel. We keep going to our small groups to hear God's word studied and applied to our lives. We keep ringing our friends to encourage them with the truth of the gospel. We keep scattering the seeds around to our our neighbors, our family, our friends, our colleagues. And even if we have to wait until the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven to see the full extent of the harvest, well, then we will realize that every tear now was worth it. How do we cope when our future feels bleak? Learning to lament means learning how to bring our pain to the Lord, remembering the Lord restores, and trusting him with our tears. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you are a God who restores. Help us to trust you with our tears. Help us to keep crying out to you for our restoration until that glorious day when Christ returns and all things are made new. In Jesus' name, amen.